Hi, I'm Susan Moore, Community Engagement Manager with IIBA. And I'm Scott Bennett, Manager of Business Analysis with the International Institute of Business Analysis. And this is Business Analysis Live. And today our topic is top seven soft skills. These are soft skills that you need to know as a business analysis professional. But Susan, we're not just making this list up, right? (laughs) We are not making this list up. This list comes to us actually from the Global State of Business Analysis survey that we did last year. And those results are going to come out again soon. I don't have a release date for you, uh, but uh, but that's where this list came from. That's right. And you know what? We talk about these as soft skills, by the way, but I think they are essential skills for the work that we do as business analysis. So today I'm going to use the term essential skills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it, because if you've got really strong technical skills, but you don't have some or all of these skills, I I think you're going to struggle. Now, I've managed a number of business analysis teams and and coach people. And Susan, you've coached people as well. I'm hoping that this conversation today helps people understand maybe some of the skills that they should focus on reinforcing or some skills that they need to gain as well. Yeah, and and these are differentiators. So if you are new to the profession or you're wondering where should I spend some time to develop my skills so that I can move up, do different kinds of work or whatever, I think these are seven skills that can really help to make a difference in the work that you do. That's right. And just a reminder to our audience, we are live right now. So you can ask us questions in the chat and we will respond to those as we're going through here. Um, If you're listening to this as a recording, uh, you can reach us at live at IIBA.org. You can send us a suggestion, send us a question. Um, You can engage with us offline that way. And of course, you can find us on any of the podcast platforms. So we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and we have a YouTube version of this podcast as well. So we're everywhere. So you can catch us um, and listen again or, uh, you know, share with your friends. That's always good. That's right. So so I see we've got a number of comments coming in. If you have questions, um, add them in there and we will address them as we go through. So Susan, why don't we talk about the first area where we're talking about these essential skills, communication and listening skills. So this is this is a, a broad category of stuff. And, um, and for the record, I am going to pull up my business analysis competency model because it talks about communication and listening skills. And I just want to say this. I, I think when we talk about communication skills, very often we're talking about written and verbal. And those are important. But I also think that knowing appropriateness of communication is important. Planning your communication is important. Um, so that's actually part of that communication uh, skill set, and that's even talked about in the in the competency model. As far as listening, uh, you know, it it talks about active listening, and maybe that's a term that that folks out there have heard. But I want to give you a little bit of a different spin on this. I I think of listening kind of in two ways. There's listening to act and there's listening to comprehend. And so listening to act might mean that I am am thinking about the answer or I'm thinking about a solution that's going to help. Sometimes well-meaning spouses do this unintentionally, right? (laughs) Um, And so, uh, but here, you know, and I think that is certainly one approach to listening, but listening to comprehend. So really 
understanding what somebody is saying and using rephrasing and asking questions, that's listening to comprehend. And, and I'll, I'll say there's, there's another skill that I think is important here. Maybe it's not a skill. Maybe it's a value. It's courageousness. Uh, because listening to comprehend may mean that you're in the uncomfortable situation of hearing something that you've never heard before that you don't know anything about. And being able to ask those questions requires courageousness, depending on who you're listening to. So. Yeah. That's right. And I can see a comment here. We've got uh, Enns who's saying active listening. Uh, yes, that's certainly what we're talking through today. Um, yeah. Those of you that are asking for the seven, uh, you will see them as we go through today. Um, yeah, and I think in terms of that rephrasing, that's a really important skill. I just want to reinforce that one to make sure that people understand you're hearing them, but also to make sure that you're validating you're hearing the right message. So it might be a two-minute conversation. So just so I understand where this is, like you just rephrase it in your own words. Um, so it's it's a great way to pick up potential um, misunderstandings in communication, making sure that that's clear. Yeah, yeah listening is, is really, for me, uh, I think it is the differentiator. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I have that I have heard or maybe not heard something that ended up being a gap. Um, and so when you are really listening empathetically, as they say, so you're not just listening to the words coming out of their mouth, but you're also uh, sort of hearing what they are saying through their body language or through the emotion they might be displaying, you can learn things that you might not learn from their words. So listening is, is definitely a differentiator in what we do. Yeah, and if we talk about sort of increasing the skill even more, um, you get into that EQ, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence, um, that ability to understand what people might be thinking without actually saying it. Um, it I, I think it really comes with experience, right? When you're new at this profession, you're working through the mechanics. You're working through what you've learned. But as you get more experience with it, more and more, you and I both have over 20 years of experience. Um, you do develop that sense, um, some people more than others. Um, but that sense is certainly something that can help in the profession. And, you know, these these are actually all of the skills that we're going to talk about today are not necessarily skills where you can go take a boot camp, get a certificate and go, ta-da, I'm really great at listening now. You know, these are skills that you are going to develop and hone over time. It's a little bit style. It's a little bit about personal competency, um, but you just have to do it. I mean, that's what it is, especially for communication and listening. You've just got to keep doing it and practicing it and learning from, you know, those lessons. So, so right. these are, these are two, these are two good ones. Okay. So let's move on to the next ones. We've got stakeholder engagement and relationship building skills. <laughs> well, this one falls right into what I always say. Business analysis is a relationship business. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It, it's really important that uh, the, the communication is the foundation to build upon. And these are the next level of items to work on, right? So you've got, let's say, five different people to work with. What are their interests? What are their concerns? How do you interact with them? How do people communicate? Um, do they have communication preferences that you can pay attention to relationship skills? You know, I, uh, I have a bias for getting straight to business. And I have learned over the years that I have to pull back on that and get to know people more. So, hey, you know what? I, this weekend I was doing this with my kids or, you know, what you enjoy doing and, and your interests. That relationship helps build communication because what I learned over the years is if I'm all business, 
it's there's less communication going on you know the, the hallway conversations that i used to have when i was in a physical building um those are something that you need in a virtual world um to build through so as you get to know people and their interests um knowing where they are for so for example you're in north carolina i'm in toronto um just simply talking about the weather can be a good icebreaker <laughs> to to get to know people and, and what they're up to yeah that's right. You know, it's funny that you say that 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 you have over time, you know, you, you tend to get more right down to business. And I don't know why my husband has decided right now that he wants to peek in on what we're doing. But anyway, so that's him. Um, we, we are live. <laughs> so we're live. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> um, but I am definitely, I tend to be a little more of a social creature. And so for me, it has always been part of my style. And again, this is about style, um, where when I get a group of people together, the first thing I want to do is I want to check in. I want to have a couple of laughs. I, I want to get to know people at a personal level. You know, when people know you, they trust you. And because trust is so foundational to our business, just taking that couple of minutes to authentically connect with them and understand what motivates them. But you know, what, what happened to them earlier today that may or may not impact the meeting that you're about to have, that can really help you to gauge your style. Because again, these involve social skills. I've been reading an article um, about the, the most in-demand skills in the C-suite, and it is basically called social skills. And so here, I'll read a little bit about how they define this. So it's interacting, um, interacting with people, listening to people, persuading and empathizing with others, being aware of others' reactions and understanding why they react as they do. And I think, you know, even though this talks a little bit about stakeholder engagement and you may think about the technical skills, those skills are another one of those areas that are, I, I think, um, kind of value-based. They're also skills that you can't learn in a boot camp. You, you just have right. to do these. And some of these, they do have a, a personal uh, competency to them. These may not necessarily be things that you are great at. Um, and, but if you are, know that you can further develop these and use these uh, in the work that you do. Yeah, I, I remember a story back when I was working at Capital One. Um, I was working on a, a big project and there were a number of business analysts. And so I went to Richmond, Virginia, met up with one of my BAs, and we took out a couple of the uh, technical people for lunch. And I thought, oh, well, this is nice. We're sort of going out for lunch. I learned so much from this BA about his relationship skills, getting to know these guys, sitting down and, you know, having a meal with them. It was a real eye opener, um, but something I never been trained on. So uh, for those of you that haven't been exposed to relationship building skills, um, seek out someone, whether it's your manager or another peer that you can sit and watch and learn. Um, so I, I, I don't think you're right. I don't think you can learn this from a class. It's really right. meeting someone, a human being that has this talent and being able to pick it up from them. I just did a talk for um, uh, part of Global Business Analysis Day and talked about just doing your own skills assessment. And I kind of lumped it into three areas as you're taking a look at underlying competencies and essential skills. And one of the things that I uh, that I encourage people to do is to think about the skills you use that either you really love or that you seem to have a natural aptitude for.
or, and because when you do that, you find more ways to include that in the work that you do. But you become a mentor for other people because other people see, oh my gosh, Susan loves interviewing people and she seems like she's really good at it. Maybe I want to watch her more. I want to ask her some questions about that. You know, and if you really love it and you do it well, you can spread that um, enthusiasm to other people who may want to learn how to do that. It pays dividends. So social skills. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, yeah. and I'll put a little bit of plug in there for our chapters. Our chapters are your local network of people that are in the profession. So if you're working in a small organization and you can't find someone that you might want to use um, to help you with relationship building skills, visit your local chapter. Um, there's a large variety of people that are there and certainly there to help you out in your profession. Yeah, um, I'm, let's see, I'm, I'm peeking over at our at our comments, this comment caught my attention. At, uh, personality plays a huge role in soft skills. I completely agree. Um, I, I really think, it, and you know, we often think about our work as um, is kind of very technical and very driven by a body of knowledge. But bring yeah. yourself into the work that you do, um, because I think you'll find that you can you can ad ad adopt a style. You can find a style that really works for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I did want to share just a brief story. Um, okay. When I was working my career, I was a, an application manager at one point, and I was getting performance feedback that, Scott, we're not hearing much about what your thoughts are, your, uh, your, your ideas, that type of thing. And I realized, and an HR person helped me through this, I was overusing my listening skills. Hmm. And I never heard that term before, overusing the skill. Um, so I'm a really good listener active listening, you know, all that type of stuff, but I was using it so much that I wasn't communicating. So it took actually a transition of about two years for me to work on this, but to share my thoughts, it was just something I was raised with, um, to withhold those thoughts, keep them internal. Um, but it was, uh, just that concept of overusing a skill, um, is something you might think about as well. If you're strong one way, not another, you just sort of have a balanced approach. Uh, you know, when, when we're bringing ourselves to work, sometimes we are also bringing patterns with us that come from other parts of our life. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes that can make you very aware, um, you know, when you're bringing the personal into the professional of areas where you can develop. I, I'll tell you a really quick story um, because I've, I've done a lot of my own personal development. I kind of have done it through my profession. Um, and I had a CIO who said, well, tell me about the kinds of things that you do outside of work. And I couldn't really name anything. Oh. <laughs> and so I, I thought, well, what can I do? I, I've, I've, I've used all these skills, but like I, I haven't created a network of people around me um, that, that I could, you know, that I can just talk to outside of work. And so that got me into volunteering with my university's alumni chapter. And I've been doing that for a decade now. Um, and it's helped me to, it was, it was comfortable, right? Because I could take those transferable skills from my professional life and yeah. I do them over on my alumni side. So I do things like social media management and email and stuff. But then I could make a network of friends who shared a common interest, our right. university. So, yeah, that's cool. All righty. Well, let's move on. What's our next one? Oh, this is always a big one. And for this, dun, 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 we got to bring this guy back out. Um, <laughs> analytical thinking and problem solving. Now, this one feels like it is so squarely a set of essential skills that, that business analysis professionals use. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I went back to the source 
because I, I wanted to know what does our competency model say? And, and it says core competencies in this area involve creative thinking, which, you know, I already love that, decision making, <laughs> learning, problem solving, systems thinking, conceptual thinking, and visual thinking. Now, I don't know about you, but I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised to see creative thinking because I do think that's part of problem solving. Not every problem has, uh, you know, when you think of something like root cause analysis, sometimes you've got to be a little creative in order to figure out where should I look? What are the possible things that might go wrong? But decision making actually, um, was an interesting one in here. And, and again, I'll, I'll go back to the competency model because decision-making in the context of this isn't just that you know how to make decisions or that you can make a decision. It is that you, you know the, a process for getting a decision made. That's interesting. Um, that you know the appropriate people to bring to the table. So it's really also about knowing how you get to a decision that is part of decision-making. So. Yeah. And, and I, too, am a creative. Both of us are creatives um, in our, our personal lives. Um, and to me, that creative part really stands out. I'm a visual person. And so when I'm trying to problem solve, my process is literally to put a, a piece of paper and a pen. And I start drawing diagrams. Of, it, it allows me to get the thinking out. But I've also found that when working with people, um, visuals are an important process. So it could be a swim lane diagram that helps five people come together and understand how something works and, and get alignment. It could also be a diagram that illustrates a concept. Um, so it's that creativity is an important part of making sure um, you're communicating and doing that analytical thinking. Another part of this that I read about in the, the Babok, I'll, I'll hold up my book too. Okay, that's right. <laughs> in the Babok, uh, it also talks about um, looking through and learning. So looking through documentation, learning about systems, it's part of the analytical process that we go through. It could be documentation, it could be using a system, it could be doing some research. Um, so that's an important element as well. It's interesting that you say that you are a, a visual person. I am also a visual person. Actually, before we started today, I was telling you a story about when I was an art history minor and I was taking my, my art classes, kind of how I was preparing for that. And I have found that for me, I tend to do the same thing. So as soon as somebody starts to tell me about a problem, I actually, I don't take notes on a notepad. I take notes on a sketch pad because my notes don't look like written notes most of the time. They look <laughs> like pictures. And I've, you know, I'm, because I'm not just listening to, um, to the words that you're saying. I am listening to the words that you're saying. But in my mind, I'm trying to group things. I'm trying to categorize things. I'm trying to make things connect to another. And when I hear emotion behind something, I'm underlining things or I'm bolding things <laughs> because that to me means you really meant this. Um, or I heard something that was telling me that that might be a need and I should ask you about it. So in, in visuals, I always say make requirements come alive for people because when you draw a picture, you know, I can show it to somebody and say, I think, I think this is what you're talking about. And it gives them a way to engage. Um, and certainly that can lead us to better problem solving is when, is when they look at our picture and say, oh yeah, yep, you got, these are the components of it. That's right. So um, I'm peeking over here because we've got a lot of people in our comments who are also, yep, visualizing. Here's one. So Amory says, visualize your knowledge to get deep into understanding. Yeah, 
Exactly, exactly. And then she also adds, I think this one's interesting. They reveal more information. Um, oops, did I hit the right one? Yes, yes. Um, uh, they reveal more information from my understanding. Sometimes the visuals can even uh, can even help you like you might draw something and suddenly oh yeah oh my goodness okay i think i, I think we're on to something so yeah yeah, yeah I, I love the the creative exercise if you're working through a visual and that one's not working you work through the next one and all of a sudden you get that aha moment where mm -hmm. this concept gels you throw it in a powerpoint you throw it to someone and their eyes light up um that's that's magic to me i love that and I, I feel like if if you are someone that thinks of yourself as a little bit of an artist, um, this is where you have your moment in the world of business analysis. And it's interesting. I've talked with, I've talked with a number of people in our BA community who come from art backgrounds, whether it was graphic design or studio artists. And I tell them, you know, or I ask them, what are you using from your art world? to the work that you do today. And sometimes they haven't considered, oh wait, you're right. I do kind of think about things visually. I, I should bring that in. So again, bring your whole self, bring your whole self to the work yeah. that you do. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on to the last one here. So if you've been keeping track, we've been going two at a time. This one stands out on its own, adaptability skills. So Susan, adaptability, um, it's sort of generic, but we were talking about this a few days ago. Um, about the ability to um, shift and change with things. Um, so uh, the story that I shared with you was I learned project management. I went on a project management course. I was young. I was in, in my starting career and took a full week course and thought, okay, I know everything there is to, about project management. And I started doing some project management. Um, but what I found was when it wasn't going to my plan, I tried to steer it back to my plan. And mm. What I learned was I was learning the mechanics of how to do project management, but I wasn't being adaptable. And adaptability, I think, comes with experience. So the more experience you have, the more adaptable you can be versus sticking to the rules that you've been taught. Um, so for me, adaptability, I think, is something that comes with experience. What are your thoughts? I, I do think this is... Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's about experience, but it's also about a personal level of maturity. When I hear adaptability, I think about um, being coachable. I think about being open to other ideas and other uh, perspectives. And I think there, ha there has to be a certain level of um, openness to doing that. And in, when, you're, when you're new in the profession, you really are just focused on, I think, learning how to do this. And, and there may be a certain level of, of expecting people to tell you what to do, you know, or, or how to do it when you're new. And I, that's, that's part of growing, right? We've all got to, we've all got to go through that. But yeah. at a certain level, um, being able to find your own path in this work is essential. And that's what makes you uh, sought after is when you can have all this have all these skills that you can deploy in any order in any fashion um, and knowing that sometimes one approach may not be the best approach rapidly learning and and um, adapting to something new i think these are higher higher power um, this is a higher power skill yeah i like jeff's comment here adaptability requires an open mind and a willingness to take chances on other others ideas i think that's a great comment yeah, 
That's and there's you know I talked about uh, there's courageousness involved in in really listening to someone and I think there's a certain courageousness that you have to have to be um, to be adaptable because it also means that um, maybe something didn't go right the first time and you can't get bogged down in oh my gosh I failed it's terrible uh, listen most of what we do in business analysis is not probably that problem hasn't been solved before because every problem has a different set of circumstances so. You just have to go in with what you think might be the right way and, uh, and and figure it out as you go. I mean, heck, there's the whole learn and adapt. Okay, well, that requires adaptability to learn and adapt. That's right. So, yeah. so it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a variation on agility. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So just a reminder for those of you who are watching, if you are IIBA certified, you can get a half CDU for watching each business analysis live episode. So you're watching one live right now, uh, but if you uh, want to reach them offline, you can see the past ones we've done. I think we're close to 30 of them now on our podcasts yep. on YouTube. I think we're up to four now. Um, so those will get loaded in um, as we progress and, and get more and more out there for you. Yeah, this is, uh, I think, great. So if you if you normally find us here at this time, um, make sure that you go back and, and get yourself credit um, that you've earned. Alrighty, so let's see if we've got any questions. So a reminder, we're live. This is your opportunity to ask us questions. We have loved your comments. Um, so let's see, I'm gonna head over. And um, so let's see, so here's, this isn't, quite so much of a, a, a question, I guess it is, can we list them again? All right, and actually that's a couple of our questions. So do we wanna just pull those banners up again really sure. quickly? Let me cycle through them. So I'll start at the top here. This was communication and listening skills. Those were the first two. The second ones were stakeholder engagement and relationship building skills. And then we moved on to analytical thinking and problem solving skills. Yes, the competence model is important there. And then the last one was adaptability skills. So these are the top seven skills that were identified in the Global Business Analysis Survey. Um, so this is coming from the global community, the skills that people had identified that are most important in our profession. And there were lots of other skills, by the way, that um, that were mentioned on that list. And some of those, uh, you know, are incorporated in these, you know, influence was one. Um, I, I kind of think is, of influence really as being part of that stakeholder engagement and relationship building. Um, that's typically where you're going to use influence or persuasion. Um, storytelling actually got some votes on there, too. What, no, not storytelling. There was another one. I can't remember it. <laughs> Stay tuned um, for the global business analysis survey results. Alrighty, let's see. Uh, next question that we have. Okay, so this one, this one is interesting uh, as well. Um, how do you develop a creative mind? First of all, here's my thought on this. I've really I've thought about creativity, and there, gosh, there is a TED talk that I loved about creativity, and I cannot for the life of me think of what the title of it is, um, but go out to the TED Talk site and just search creativity. Um, I think everybody is creative. I think sometimes the, the mistake that we make is we think creativity looks like something else, yeah. and we usually think it has to do with art um, or something like that. But creativity really extends beyond that. It's, it's the ability to just kind of think openly about, um, I don't know, just 
anything. Come brainstorming is is a way of being creative, like not limiting yourself to just um, the information that you're given, but just uh, you know imagining something beyond that. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I look at it from the brain perspective. You've got the logical side, you've got the creative side. Um, it's um, I, I've learned through experience that it's important to use both of those parts of your brain. Um, so I would encourage you to pursue something creative and, and just experiment. You don't have to be good at it, but the nature of you using that creative side of your brain, it will grow and you'll have more experience at it. Um, I'm a woodworker. So here's an example right here, the desk that I built. Um, that's my creativity. It's my outlet. Um, so it doesn't have to look like you're painting or you're drawing. Um, it could be woodworking. It could be crafting. Um, could be cooking. Even, could be cooking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's just, I think the willingness to experiment with something and not necessarily looking for an outcome that's a hundred percent successful. Failure is part of the learning process. There's so many things that I've done in my workshop where I failed. Fortunately, <laughs> I have all my fingers, um, but it's, it's one of those things that the failure teaches you as much as what you could be reading about, um, about the, your creative pursuits. And, and creativity is a muscle. Uh, and I think the more that you you use it, whether it's through cooking or, uh, you know, any of those activities that you're part of, then then I think you see other opportunities, other ways that you can use that creativity in, in other parts of your work. So um, so there you go. All righty. Uh, next up. Pooja asks, how to manage when the technical team does not commit to their timeline? Okay, so, so there's definitely some, some skills, some essential skills that you need for this one. Um, it, you know, I think here is where relationship building can help. Having a good relationship, having built that over time with your technical team um, to understand and, and have honest um, courageous conversations about why they're not able to commit um, because it, you know, it, it usually is, well, because we have too much work, but, but what is it really? So I would say relationship building is part of that influence. We didn't really talk about that today, but I think influence can be part of that. And I think if you're a business analysis professional in this situation, um, you might not be just focused on the technical team that, that can't commit, you might actually have to go outside of the technical team because they could be given constraints that they can't work around. And their answer may be, we just can't make it. Okay, let's let's be creative. Where else might some of those constraints be coming from? And maybe we've got to go outside of the team to stakeholders, to uh, product owners, to other people that might be imposing something on them. Have you built good relationships with them so that you can talk and negotiate about how you uh, how you can get them through this. So these are, and this is, I think, the kind of conflict um, resolution. We didn't talk about that essential skill either, but this is, this is, you know, conflict resolution and it requires a high degree of essential skills, social skills and things like that to move through it. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. I see uh, a few comments. Uh, someone had uh, asked about uh, a position. I just thought I'd mention it. This is going to be a self-serving message. We're right now hiring at IIBA for a Salesforce business systems analyst. Um, if you are uh, Salesforce administrator certified and you're a business analyst, check out our website, check out the role. That's right. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw a note. I'm going to, I'm, uh, I'll mention this. I did see a note that, um, 
that maybe the fact that um, Salesforce as part of the as part of that posting or the, the job title in the posting maybe limited it. But, you know, in this instance, I thought, well, but that's the essential. Now, that's the essential skill we need for you to have. We need for you to bring that Salesforce um, work to it. So, um, yeah. anywho, yeah. my two cents. And we've had a session that we've talked about job titles and the use of job titles. So um, when we post this, we'll put some links to that as well. So we've got a whole 30 minutes talking about job titles and what a job title means. So um, that's uh, more than we can get into just answering one question here, but there is a podcast, there is a video about that. <laughs> Great tie-in. Alrighty, so our next question, are leadership skills a key enabler to becoming more impactful? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, really, um, you know, again, business analysis is a relationship business. I mean, it really is. I, I know that we think of what we do as sometimes technical and some some of our some of our community is very technical, but at the end of the day, our whole capital, our whole reason for being is that we talk to and with people uh, in order to understand needs, problems, solutions in organizations. And so I do think that even if we don't have a leader title, we are informal leaders in our organizations. We need to, um, we need to walk the walk as they say. Um, and I think that this this helps you, <laughs> you know, Rylan Layton and I talk about this in his webinar, The Consultative Mindset, and it, it always tickles me because when, when you are really good at leadership skills in, in what you do and these other essential skills we've talked about today, you are sought after and the problems get harder <laughs> that you have to solve. Um, and so that can be a good thing if you love challenge and it can you know, not be a good thing if you don't love the challenge. So, um, so think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> Alrighty. Here we go. So Paul has a question. Paul asks, um, the BCS, so this is British Computer Society Business Analysis Service Framework, does not list stakeholder engagement as a service, but as an auxiliary service. Why does this differ for the IABA? And how do you feel about that being excluded from the BCS? Um, I don't have, a, so full disclosure, I don't have a whole lot of uh, knowledge on their business analysis service framework. Um, but I will tell you, a, I'll tell you another Ryland Layton story because he always tells this too. Um, so he is both PMI and IIBA certified. And he says over on the PMI side, they will tell you the reason that, um, that projects go bad is because you missed a requirement. In IIBA, we say the reason that projects go bad or that we miss a requirement is because we didn't include the right stakeholders. Right. And so my two cents is that we, uh, that, the, that the BA body of knowledge, which has been created and enhanced over our uh, almost 20 years now, that we believe this is such a, a, a gap in, um, in good projects and good problem solving, bringing the right stakeholders to the table, that it was an, an essential part of the body of knowledge. That's just what I think. But Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, I was doing some work just this week that is about eight hours of work. Um, and I started right at the stakeholders. And that's because we've learned so many times over the years, if you don't have the right stakeholders agreeing to the outcome you're looking for, um, and you need to engage other people on their team. 
um, you can get caught up in a number of different things. Um, I've talked before, I think, about battle scars. Um, it, this is the way I refer to lessons that I've learned the hard way over my career. And when you get a battle scar, it's a reminder never to do that again. Um, I think stakeholder engagement is definitely one that I've learned. Um, and it, it's it's supported by the VA body of knowledge as well. Yeah, so I think... Um... I think, Paul, that is that is a, a great question. And just, I think, an awareness that, you know, because PMI also has a, a business analysis certification. I am one of those, by the way. And it's just interesting how each of these certifying bodies has um, has a slightly different lens on on the work that we do as business analysis. Um, I, I think that's great. I think that's what makes our our um, our work uh you know, interesting. All yeah. right. Yeah. So I think we, we've got uh, to the end of the question list there, but lots of participation. We can now see the chat in these sessions. It's great to see that. Oh, um, I love that. Susan, Susan, why don't you uh, finish off by telling everyone what to expect in the next session to explain? Mm. Well, in our next session, we have a guest, Emily Midgley. She is going to come talk about product ownership analysis. And, you know, we love a guest. And I know product ownership is something that you guys talk about. We were even talking about it in today's chat. So so we want to thank you. We will We will do that in two weeks from today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. This is the end of our live session, but if you've got questions, you can send us an email at live at iiba.org or leave us a voice message and we'll answer your question at one of our upcoming broadcasts. Join us.